There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. Okay, let's see if this card goes through for that $8,000 drink. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a part of the in crowd. Everybody wants to, to look good. My decision was, I'm not a victim. I'm not going to stay and work someplace where this is a problem. Normally we don't drink on queer money, but because we're talking about a subject that David is rather vanilla on... Um, <laughs> Grab a glass of wine, because you're listening to Queer Money with the Debt Free Guys. This is the only show helping our community do more and be more by talking about money from the queer perspective. So the Debt Free Guys are inspired by other people's stories, and this is the inauguration of our Queeros series, uh, Queer Heroes. We're working with that title for now. Um, they inspire us and inform our lives to make better decisions based on either how they've succeeded or have in, uh, informed us on what decisions not to make based on how they've you know, struggled. Um, so the Queero series is highlighting LGBT uh, heroes in the community who um, impress us and who are uh, making amazing music by beating to their own drum. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get started and give an introduction of how we know um, Chad Nash. Yeah, Chad. so Chad uh, was introduced to us by uh, a business partner of ours. Uh, we went to a Christmas party, and uh, Chad and his brother Scott were at the party, and we were introduced to them by uh, Carlene. And uh, that's how we were first introduced to you guys, and then we've connected on Facebook and uh We've watched your uh, travels all over the world and, uh, and jealous a variety, <laughs> or and playing rummy cube with your brother here in Denver. So oh, nice! We've gotten to know you a little bit through primarily through Facebook because you're always gone. Um, but we also wanted to let you know that um, we have a confession. We have a yeah, we have a little bit of a confession. We uh -oh. have yeah, we have um, John has a habit of giving people nicknames. Uh, oh, boy. And, and so your nickname is Cash Nash. Um, Gosh, no, it's right. not so bad. No, it's not. No. It's not bad at all. It does, it's only it like one letter difference. It's only one letter difference, and we think you're money, so it's yeah. kind of like <laughs> exactly. But now David calls you Cash all the time. So yeah, you might actually you Chad. Call you. <laughs> I, when I refer to you, often, oftentimes I'll call you Cash instead of Chad. So, so <laughs> if I okay. if I uh, mess up and, and call you Cash, now you know why. I apologize. <laughs> I've, been, I've been called worse. Oh, I'm sure we all have. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right, so. Uh, so, Chad, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us a little bit about your story, about uh, who you are. Uh, okay, so I went to school in uh, Missouri State. I'm from Missouri, and uh, a lot of family moved out to Colorado. And I, after college, I decided I went the corporate route for a while, and I, I ended up moving with the company to San Diego. Uh, and then from there, I launched my own company doing software development, uh, and it, it had many successful years, but I was in a relationship at the time I built. Uh, my whole life was kind of based in San Diego, bought a house, uh, put in a nice pool and a lot of construction. And, and it was definitely build-up years in those in that time for me. Um, and it was a lot of hard work, but it was kind of inspired work. And, and it was definitely working for myself, which was key. Uh, and uh, basically from there, my, my relationship... Uh, for good or bad, it, it ended. Um, and that kind of sparked uh, this desire to start traveling. I mean, I'd, I'd already been to countries, and I'd, I actually traveled quite a bit. But um, when I sold the house and we were kind of breaking up, I, I said, you know what, I'll, I'll travel for maybe a few months. And uh, I have some cash reserves. I'll spend, you know, X budget. And then after that's done, um, I'll come back and settle down and maybe – Maybe it'll be San Diego, maybe it'll be Denver, I don't know. Um, so that's kind of what's led to, this is the 24th month of consecutive travel um, around the world. So uh, that's what that's kind of the short story. Absolutely. So you've really, it seems, embraced this whole new gig economy where you can kind of work at the same time that you can kind of fulfill your life dreams and traveling the world. So how exactly... Would you say that you um, have been able to travel for the last two years? I mean, I think the, the most important piece is having some cons some cons uh, reliable monthly reoccurring income that you can have mobile. Okay, mm -hmm. but outside of that, I don't think your income has to be that much. I have a lot of people that think I am 
extremely wealthy, but they think, <laughs> they think I must just be rich, right? right? And they really think that. Yeah. And the truth is, is that for, for so much of it is most Americans, uh, when they travel, especially, I would say, especially gays too, they're going to be going and they're doing it really big, right? So when they go to Bali, they're going and they're staying in a nice resort and they are, and their flights alone are, are quite expensive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the way I travel typically is just one major international flight a year, uh, major. So from there, so let's say last year, for example, last year I started in New Zealand for two months at the beginning of the year. Well, once you get to New Zealand, it's a very cheap flight to jump over to Australia. Right. And then once you jump around Australia, there's a lot of discounted airlines. Uh, it's Jetstar in Australia. It's EasyJet in, in the Europe. Uh, but there's multiple ones, many. And there's many apps to find these little connecting uh, flights and things. So, um, again, once you go from, from Australia, jumped over to Southeast Asia and Indonesia, and then all of the stuff is cheap, right? right? So the other thing to keep in mind, too, is it's really helped is – at the time I sold my house, I was coming from a pretty expensive life. So I had a mortgage. I had, I had a nice, a couple nice car payments. Um, uh, life was good, and and it was a expense to my life back then. I still, I still would travel as well, you know. Right. But you also had property. I also had property taxes and uh, utility bills and water bills and uh, cable modem. I mean, literally just the basics. But right. yet it was right. still there. And the way I travel now, when sales come in and they're booming, I will be the first one to book somewhere amazing, right? Or if friends are coming to join me, uh, and, and if sales aren't, I'll be the first one to, if I'm traveling alone, I have no problems going cheap or doing a hostel uh, and, and so forth. So a lot of it seems that it's expensive, but all you're doing is, is taking cheap routes around the world. Right. Yeah. How much time do you invest uh, investigate in finding the cheap routes or the most the, the best route based on whatever your sales are like? It's kind of consuming, actually. It's a little. It's and it's very addicting. You know? like, <laughs> because you, it's it's always a process too, right? So you you're at a location, you're staying for a while, and you're relaxing. You get on the iPad, and maybe I like to take a lot of baths. <laughs> so 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 much of my life is like is spent. Okay, so. Let's say I'm uh, let's say I'm in in Israel. How much is a flight? There's apps like Skyscanner I use a lot, which instead of me saying I want a flight from from Israel to uh, I don't know Paris, I say how much is a flight anywhere out of Israel, right, or anywhere out of Italy, and then and then it will show you all of the flights out of Italy. So it says okay, Italy to Greece is this much, uh, Cyprus is this much. Uh, maybe you want to go to, to Istanbul, it's this much. And what you can start to see is sometimes there'll be discounted airlines or cities or locations that you've never even really heard of, right. you know, because, because you're like, well, I don't know. I've never really hung out in Croatia. What's it like? Okay. Well then you go to Croatia and it's the same story. Okay. Now I'm in this city. Uh, there's a lot of other apps like Rome to Rio, which is helpful too. Rome to Rio is, you enter the starting destination and the ending destination, and it tells you how much it costs by plane, by train, by ferry, by bus, by car. Nice. Wow. And it's cool. really consistent. It's really consistent. So sometimes you're in, in anywhere around the world, and you're in Thailand, and you decide, okay, I want to get to this random island in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. It, it shows you, okay, maybe you want to take a train for four hours and then a ferry for one. Maybe you want to take – and it shows you the costs for each route. So – there's those things. Then once you pick the cities, um, from there you really want to uh, start looking at accommodations. So some cities I'll immediately look for hostels if it's a really expensive, expensive city. I was ju- I just traveled through Switzerland, and Switzerland is not a cheap country. Right. <laughs> um, staying in Geneva or Zurich or any of these, it's just not worth it for a single traveler. Other times, uh, you know – other times I really get sick of hostels and I'll, I'll do a private room or I'll do an apartment or I'll do uh, a nice hotel. Uh, and sometimes you meet people along the way and you want to have a more romantic time. So you book something. My, my next few weeks, uh, I'll be in, in Italy with a, uh, a friend, a guy I met in, uh, in South Korea. He's from Brazil. Very nice guy. Nice. And, and so, so you have a lot of these situations where, 
oh, I'm going to be with somebody else. We're going to go through Venice and Florence. Maybe I'll go a little more expensive. So, you know, you just uh, you just juggle around and, and constantly research it. Yeah. So instead of being locked into a, a mortgage and a car payment, you're looking at spending the same amount of money or a lot less per month living in and out of wherever it is that you choose to live. Whether you go upscale right. one, one week and right. downscale for two or something like that. Right. And, and, you know, a lot of people, it's not right or wrong, and people are in different places in their life. But a lot of people put a lot of value on a lot of things, especially, in my opinion, Americans, including myself uh, at, at times. But they put a lot of value in things that um, are almost like little fixes, right? Like like how much money does everyone spend at Costco on their lap? If, if, you, if you compare that last big Costco trip – to to maybe uh, a round trip flight um, to to somewhere else in the world, you know. Like I, I when I was seeing last time I was in Denver, I went to Belize. It was like two ninety six round trip, right? So it's it's quite easy to go and and find cheaper routes and then say, okay, well, how much would it cost? I, I think that a lot of times people just don't even know that that they think it must cost a lot of money. Yeah. So it doesn't always have to. Right. And where, where are you at right now? Where, let's tell everybody where you're at. I am in Lisboa, in <laughs> Portugal. Nice. nice. And you nice. said it's their, um, their 4th of July right now, Independence Day? Well, they don't call it – I think – I could be very wrong, but it's called Santa something. It's a Brazilian saint something. But it's, it means party time is what it really is. <laughs> cool. And, and the streets are filled and there's a parade and, yeah, the streets are filled and it's a very – you know, the, Portugal, the Portuguese are so friendly, so welcoming – um, a lot of a lot of times, you, you go through like I don't know what I, I guess I would call it just stupid American growing up fear based. Like I'm I'm like, is it safe? Is it is this place safe? It sounds because you just don't know, and you just think in your head, well, I, I don't know enough about this country or whatever, right? And then you get there, and you're like, well, I'm an idiot because it's completely <laughs> fine, right? Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> It's funny, like as much as I've traveled, so this is 24 months, but the first year and a half, I was kind of a big pussy. Like <laughs> it was like Western Europe, uh, Scotland, Ireland, UK, New Zealand, Australia. It wasn't even until I started going to Southeast Asia where I even – I was so scared. The first day I arrived in Bali, I was like locking my stuff up in a in – a, I mean I was just I, – I ordered food takeaway to go from a, a place I saw across the street from where I was at. But I was just like, oh, Asia, third world country. You know, you just, you're like, Malaysia sounds dangerous because this, or, or you think it sounds dangerous. You know, you, everyone will be the first one to tell you about uh, what they think or, or, you know, be careful. Right. And, and it's like, um, you got, I, now when I go back, I go back to the U.S., everyone from these other countries is like, please be careful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting that the, the attitudes that we have are formulated by what we're fed by the media or what we sure. see online. Um, yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we, we moved to Ireland and uh, we, um, we lived there for a year and a half. And my first day of school, this is going to date me here, but my first day of school, um, when I started telling the kids that I was from America and that I lived in Denver, at the time, one of the most popular shows in Ireland was <laughs> Dynasty. Dynasty was based in Denver. It was all about the oil boom days. So everyone thought that my family yeah. was massively wealthy and I needed to educate everybody that I was just <laughs> a normal American, middle of the road. You know, we lived a little uh, uh, um, above average there as well, though, because most, most of what was we're doing there was based on my dad's company. But uh, it's interesting that that's that's the perception. So when we travel to places like you said, Malaysia, well, what kind of stories are we hearing about Malaysia? We're hearing about terrorist attacks. We're right. hearing about uh, riots or things like that. So that's kind right. of the idea that we have of what's going on in that yeah. country. You, you, I know it's kind of like don't lose another plane. Like that's a <laughs> right. like, kind of like that. That must be a really yeah. That must be like the. And it's funny because then you go there and you're like, this is one of the nicest airports I've ever been to. Kuala Lumpur Airport is – is, and you're going to see the same Gucci and the same nice everything in this mall or it's almost like a mall, right? They know how to do this. So so there is a lot of this um, – I have a general rule where I'm quite careful listening to anyone who has not been to a country before telling me about the country, Right. right? 
because there's some people with some very strong opinions on countries that have never been there. And the people that have been there, it's usually not as bad as they, as they say. My, my family had like a sit-down intervention with me about going to Uganda, right? They were, and I thought myself even. I was like, I don't know, Chad. Even this one sounds, <laughs> this one sounds pretty bad. Yeah. But, but, you know, there was nothing – it was an interesting mix. I actually thought South, uh, South Africa was more dangerous because there's a lot more racial tension yeah. than Uganda. Uganda, there's no white people. So no, they don't hate you because they don't know – who. <laughs> They think you're a ghost that arrived on a planet, but it, but it, but in other countries, uh, you know, you think South Africa would be like it's more first world or whatever, but there's more tension in those countries because of things like that. So, so you just never really know. And so, yeah, when I came to Portugal, um, you know, I always, I don't know, I, I never really had a thing in my head that says, oh, it's great or it's safe, or it's, but it's been so welcoming. The people have been so nice. Um, it's it's got to be the, one of the safest places I've ever been, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's beautiful too. So we we've talked a lot about this lifestyle that you have, and and I, uh, it's something that I think a lot of people would love to have. We'd like to talk about a little bit about how you got there. So can we? We're going to ask you a couple of questions about go back a little bit and yeah, get in the your head early history playing. because it, I think a lot of people think to themselves, "There's no way I could do what you're doing. There's no way I could travel for 24 months. I could." Could, there's no way I could give up the things, the things that I have. But let, let's take a look a little bit at what's led up to you being able to do this. Yeah. So we're going to go back a little ways. You, you grew up in Blue Springs, Missouri, which right today only has 53,000 people. Right. Um, so what was it like growing up in Blue Springs, Missouri, especially as a gay kid? Missouri is a great place to grow up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scared of that. I've never been there, but I've heard it's very scary. <laughs> no, no, actually, I think I think that there was a lot of good that came out of that, right? It was uh, uh, I grew up on a cul-de-sac, and when you grow up on a cul-de-sac with a lot of kids, kids and, and friends, I'm still close with. Uh, one of my neighbors, who was a friend of mine, he just went to South Africa with me, right? So, so there's a close bond between growing up in a cul-de-sac and. I had an awesome childhood, right? I mean, I was, I was the youngest, uh, and I was definitely an accident. Um, my my sister was fourteen when I was when I was born, and my so I was certainly uh, an accident. And so by that time, my parents had kind of like, I don't know, like you know how you're you're harder on your first child than your uh, than the baby, right? Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah, childhood was really was really great. Uh, I definitely had a little easy come, easy go attitude. My mom would always um, remind me of that, but I thought I'll stick with that. It's a good, you know. Uh, I started a lawn mowing business when I was like ten, and so I'd already started wanting to do my own thing. I'd shovel snow. I, I would mow, mow yards. Um, and then I always kind of enjoyed other types of work. I did a paper route. Um, and then I got really into computers uh, from there and got into a little bit of trouble back in those days. Um, but I wasn't an adult yet. I was only 15 when I got in, in some trouble. So, uh, yeah, so growing up in Blue Springs was great. So um, you were an entrepreneur from a very young age then? Yeah, I would say so. And, you know, I, I think being gay, I always say I didn't choose to be gay. I think I just got lucky. <laughs> Nice. Because because the, here's the thing is that when you're gay, you start, especially when you're gay growing up in a very conservative, let's say religious area of the world too, you immediately know something isn't right when when they're telling you something is, is wrong, right? Because you have emotions and feelings and you don't so, – so you start to question other things. Could you start your own business? Could you move to California? Because a lot of things like this – when, when they, I say like it's like someone telling you that uh, the stove isn't hot when you touch your hand and you know it's hot, right? right? So because of that, it starts to open up other questions and you start questioning other things. Could I open my own business? Could I travel the world? Could I could I move to California? Um, if I was if I was a straight guy, I would have probably been married three hundred pounds with five kids by twenty two. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So it forced me. It forces you to be to start looking beyond uh, because you know that that's internally, you know, inherently something that is okay and that's that is who you are and it is authentic. Right. And 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 you and you're not bad and it's and it is okay. So you start to then expand your horizons to other areas 
That's interesting because I think isn't it Jim Rohn who says when you ask better questions you get better results? Yeah. So you're, you're basically what you're saying is because your understanding growing up in, internally wasn't necessarily being reflected externally. You just started asking different questions, and that's maybe how you um, part of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, and the truth the truth is is that Missouri provides some really powerful contrast <laughs> to yeah. what you may want, right? So if I was living maybe somewhere not so bad, and I wouldn't say Missouri is bad, right? But but when you, whenever you've grown up there and you've lived there all your life, you start to and you start to travel anywhere, you think, you know what? I just want out, right? I right. want to get out. Mm-hmm. And there's enough contrast for me. There was enough contrast in Missouri. If I grew up in California, maybe I'd want the housing prices of Missouri, and it would be amazing, right? right, right. But growing up, I would say the same thing now. There's people that want to see the United States, but if I've I've traveled and done so much in the U.S., it it, it doesn't provide the same satisfaction as maybe Southeast Asia does, or maybe I don't know anywhere else in the world. Right. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you just you know, it's about expansion and you wanting to get out and, and do more stuff. Absolutely. So we got to give props to Blue Springs because in 20, 2006, CNN Money listed Blue Springs as 49 out of 100 best places in the country to live. So apparently it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's probably a great place to raise a family and, uh, and, and good education. Uh, I still have a lot of friends and family back there. In fact, yeah. I go back – every time I go back, I go back and walk the old neighborhood and talk to the same friends. I mean I'm really close and – um, I, I give it a little hard time, honestly. I, I think uh, I have a friend that I always say, "Oh, th- that's a flyover state," yeah. <laughs> and he's like, um, "You're an asshole." <laughs> he's like, "He's like only only snobs from New York or LA call this call these states flyover states, right?" right. Yeah. But it's just a joke, and and there's a lot of good. I think that something I find though in some of those more rural areas, not just let's not say Missouri, but even Kansas and Oklahoma is that um, it seems that people can get stuck quite easily, right? And thinking that going to New York is a big deal or thinking that going to Europe is like a once-in-a-lifetime experience, right? Because that's how they see it. They see it as a – and it's a belief system. And because of that, um, if they're wanting to get out, it's it's kind of difficult. It's kind of like a black hole in a way. Absolutely. So you know, so you started asking questions when you were very young in life, and I know that you're big in the law of attraction and metaphysics. When did you realize that you were the architect of your life, that you could control things and, and produce the results you wanted? Twenty-seven. I think. Wow, interesting. Really? Why? So, how so? Um, because by that time, I had already been, by some definitions, successful. Right? Like I had a nice house. I moved to California. I'd had. I'd already built a pool. I was on my own. My partner didn't have to work. We had nice cars. We could travel. And then people started asking me, how are you doing it, right? How are you doing this? And I, and I saw so many people struggling in this question of how because, because they kind of beat themselves up over it, right? Because you've got people that have really tried. They have definitely they went to the colleges they thought. They, 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 they invested where they thought. They bought the home like they were supposed to. They've, they've done all of this work. And then they would say, how are you doing this, right? And I just was like, I don't know, I don't know, right? right? And then and I started running into other people, both business people and friends. And it kind of became this like, wow, sometimes ignorance is bliss and in a real way, right? Sometimes happy, happy-go-lucky is sort of uh, the people that, that seem to be the lucky ones are the people who seem to be saying, oh, I, I think I'm a lucky one, right? Right. What, that's why as a kid, I look back and I think about my mom telling me, easy come, easy go. And I think that's the kind of stuff I want to be, you know, that's, that's sort of, there's more going on, right, mm-hmm. than, than just A plus B equals C. There's a lot more going on. Right, right. And I started questioning, I would go to seminars and things that were watching people that were the motivational guys and they were telling you, hey, it's hard work and the, the harder you work, you will succeed and you will blah, 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 right? And, and let's get you motivated, right? And I, I would attend masterminds and things and, and all of those people, you'd find them in the same thing another year from now doing another – it's the same thing, right? They were never leaving that that teacher-student role, right? right? And then you would find other people when I'd go to like Abraham Hicks um, – or other types of speakers and authors and people I follow in the law of attraction. And with those, you would run into people who weren't even trying so hard. It was just, it was more magical, right? It was just like I ran into the right people and this connection. And I tell you, when, when I travel like this, you if you don't believe in something like this, 
it's it's hard not to, right? right? Because right. you're because the the experiences and the people based on what's going on in your travels is a direct reflection. It's a direct mirror of what you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so around 26, 27, uh, and I started definitely doing more yoga, and I was looking more inward at that time, and uh, and now I still apply it. This is a very big part of my life. Where am I at vibrationally? Am I am I in desire mode? I spend a lot of time and use a lot of apps that are just focused on desires and law of attraction and and things around this. Um, some some would a lot of people would say I spent some time back then too. A lot of people would say I, I would try to convince them of this, right? And I would say, oh no, this is this thing, and look, it's cool, and 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 they would almost think I was crazy. And right. I, and I had to get past that point. I had to get past the point of trying to tell them. All you can do is plant seeds, walk away, plant seeds, walk away. Say, oh, you may check out this book. You may find it interesting. Nothing else, right? right. And I've gotten some really great feedback over the years with that, that same plant seeds, walk away, right? You put some good things out there for, for other people and let encourage them in a way that just give them the basic seed mm-hmm. and, then, and then let them walk two years down the road and they'll say, I don't know what, I just decided to, to, to start this business. And, and, and you're just like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Right? <laughs> yeah. right? But that's where I get the most pleasure is by seeing some things like that. Right. So um, also, if you, the more you realize this, the more – it's like, look, you drive around Missouri. Those, those are some hardworking blue-collar people, right? Mm-hmm. And they're not driving the Mercedes and the BMW is the same as if you're in free, ridiculous California land. Right? right, I mean, so if, if if you go around the world and you look at the hardest working countries, at the hardest working people, it's you're not necessarily seeing the most free flowing money because right. it goes against, or it doesn't go against. It, it is the law of attraction, right? Like like attracts like, and that unto itself is drawn. So so what you're seeing is when you go to these other countries, hard work is not necessarily the direction. Passionate work, inspired work. That you may work twenty hours a day, but if it's if it's the desire of, of passion, it makes all the difference. It's completely different. Right. It's all about your mentality and what you're sending out to the universe. Right. Yeah. You can only force motivation. It's it still is it's forced. It's just not it's not it's not there. It's not really going to work. Right. Right. What apps? Um, you mentioned you use some apps to help you with the law of attraction and desires. What apps are you using? There's one called a focus wheel. Um, the focus wheel is kind of like you put your your, de, your desire that you don't believe to be something you could achieve. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have somebody with – let's say you have a debt-free guy who doesn't really believe he could own a house, right? So you, you put that in the middle and then you put surrounding – it has like surrounding spokes around it. Think of like a uh, – uh, what is it like when you're a kid and you go to the, the, um, the playground and you, you have to get on the merry-go-round, mm-hmm. right? Not the merry-go-round. What is that thing called that spins? Smith. No, right. he's talking about the one that you spin yourself, and you get yeah. sick, and you get you try to do it really fast and fly somebody off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, okay, but so, yeah, what are you talking about? The spinning so wheel. In order to, so in order to get on that, think of that your desire, that what you want, is in the middle, right? In order to get on that, you've got to slow it down. So how do you slow it down? You put your hands out, right, and it starts to slow it down, and then you can get on. Right. So in in a way, this is exactly how you come from. Getting your desire is by once it reaches expectation, it becomes a belief. Mm-hmm. Then it's it's manifested. Okay, so so the way you slow it down to get on is you have supporting that are, are true, right? So you would say, uh, well, my friends bought a house. Well, the market changes. Well, there's deals every time. There's all those different deals. Mm-hmm. They've got some creative financing, right? Um, I know that. My home is not necessarily – owning is not necessarily the most important. Some people own and, and don't. Um, and so basically you're just getting yourself closer to understanding, and you kind of review these once in a while. Right. Um, and so that's one app. There's another app called um, the Prosperity Game. Uh, this is a very simple app. You get $1,000. It's, it's you know fake money, and then you have to spend it all. Mm-hmm. Then you get 2000 You have to spend it all. You get 4000 You have to spend it all. And – you can't save it or anything. It may not go with the debt-free guys. <laughs> but, but, you can, but basically what you're doing is you're just writing down, okay, let's say you have – so now you have $670 left of that 1000 What would you spend it on? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, 125 new shoes. 
uh, you know, Nike new shoes. Okay, now you have 540. What would you spend it on? Uh, okay, Breckenridge ski, ski, you know, one night going to Breckenridge, right? But the point is, is that you're putting yourself in desire mode mm -hmm. and you're just throwing it out there. And then eventually you, you'd be surprised when you go back through your past purchases or not your past purchases. You just look at this list two years, three years down the road. You'll be amazed at how many of these little things just, you know, came about. Right. And not all the time because people people are so focused on the how that they don't even try the, the why, right? They right. don't even put the desire. Right. So the, they're too focused on I don't even want to talk Breckenridge because I don't have the money to go, right? Right. And you have to kind of trust in this cart before the horse thing is okay sometimes. Right. You've got to still put your desire out there, write it down. And I just use notepad too. I just write down um, – and Abraham Hicks teaching would say to write down a list of positive aspects. So if I'm unhappy during my travels with my hotel or the city or there's some problem, I will vibrationally write down a list of positive aspects You know, because I will – I will say, you know what, the hot water worked well, right? Um, I will say that the location was close to the train station, right? Mm -hmm. uh, instead of what most people do is focus on what they don't want, what they don't like. Right. Well, I hated, I hated the Wi-Fi. Okay, well, what did you like? I don't know, but I hated, I hated, being, I hated the noise, mm -hmm. right? Everyone's so focused on what they don't like right. that that's how you have to shift it. So I won't go to the next city because I know it, vibrationally and emotionally that same thing follows you. Right. That, that follows you to the next city. And then you end up in this hotel and you're like, how the hell did I end up in this crappy hotel? I can't believe this, I can't believe this is happening. Right. Right. I can't believe this is happening, right? And, and, and why is this happening to me? And, and the moment you go into that victim mode or blame mode, that's, that's always your mental clue right there. That is like, oh, Am I doing my list of positive aspects? Am I playing my am I playing my little fun mental games? Right? Am I am I in appreciation mode, uh, or am I in victim mode? And that's that's the basic uh, tools I use. Yeah. So it's, you know the whole thing is you know energy flows where attention goes, right? So if you're focusing on the negative, you're attracting that, and you're just going to exacerbate it the more you focus on it. We we notice this, we're we're spread very thin these days because we both have day jobs and um, are on top of trying to build debt-free guys. And sometimes we can easily get sucked into a feeling of negativity for the dumbest thing. If somebody cuts us off in the road or we're a little bit later for work than we want them to be, and then all of a sudden we just kind of start this spiral of, of negativity and we have to remind ourselves, okay, we're creating this. Then we, then we start having an exchange of, think of three positive things that are happening right this very moment. And we you know, exchange that back true. and forth. And, and, and to, be, to be honest, I think the best thing is that conscious awareness that's the biggest step because mm -hmm. before, before I would do the same thing. You just let it run, right? Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't, and you don't believe that there's any impact by letting it run, right? Yeah. And then suddenly, your conscious awareness of no, wait, I don't feel this isn't this isn't right. This is not, you know, I now need to change and shift. And however that is for you, for some people it's just writing down the positive. Other right. people it's meditation or yoga, things like that. Well, I think this leads into a great segue to our next question. Can you tell us about um, a time that you failed or something wasn't working as you wanted it to in your career or in a business venture, um, but that resulted in a positive outcome? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's quite a few. I mean, I, I definitely have had successful businesses and failed businesses, mm -hmm. um, but none of them are really failures because it's always a learning or a time or uh, an aspect that... Uh, you then apply yourself towards um, a new adventure or a new uh, new project. I would mm -hmm. say. Um, I launched Inner Lion. Uh, was a company I launched, uh, and it was. I wouldn't say it's my most profitable adventure, right? Um, I, I I have a book out though. It's called The Lion in the Cubicle. But there's always good talking points around that book, and honestly. It's probably helped me meet a few guys along the path. Right? <laughs> so, so that's a positive, right? It's big. Like, yeah, it's like it's like, oh, you want to have dinner? Here's my book. No. Right. So, so it's it's not like uh, the money was it a failed business? Maybe if you look at it in terms of finances and and what was successful and not. But at the same time, it's just realizing it's just part of the journey and appreciation. And I guess for my next book, I think. Hey, I know how to get it on Amazon. I know how to do audiobooks. I know how to get it on Kindle. I know how to get the UPC code on the back. So, so it's all of just winning or learning, right? You're either winning or learning. There's no failure. It's winning or learning.
Right. And I think that was kind of the, the part of the point behind the question is I think so often we get into this all or nothing mode. Either you're a success or if you don't feel like you're a success, then you're a failure. And sometimes it's the taking that opportunity to say, where am I at right now? Where do I want to be? If that it's, if, if I'm not where I want to be, then right. I can still change direction to get where I want to be. You know, and a lot of people feel like they're stuck in a dead end job or they're, they're stuck in a relationship or they're stuck financially. And that's like we were talking about earlier. That's all they can focus on is that being stuck part. I'm a failure because this is not hap My life is not happening the way I want it to be. Well, what is the next step that you need to take to get you closer to that success? Whatever your definition of success right. is, what is the right. next step you need to take? It's not. I'm a failure. It's you're just not where you want to be. You haven't taken the next step to get there. Yeah, yeah and, and I also think, I mean, they would say that like nine out of 10 businesses fail, right? right? So you've got a lot of information out there, but what they don't tell you is that if you just start 10 businesses, one of them will succeed. Right. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so don't be so hard on yourself. And, 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 and here's a real key is in my experience, and especially playing around with business and the law of attraction, the lighter you can be, the easier on yourself you can be, the, the, the easier on your, everyone else you can be, that's where the good stuff flows, right? But the problem with a lot of people that want success, need success, is that they are so hard on themselves because they've worked so hard. And they don't realize that what comes into your life when you're hanging out in guilt, shame, fear, uh, pessimism, it, it's the same as like misery loves company. And in law of attraction, there's nothing else like it. But you're vibrationally in your business and everything else. That's what you're attracting. Right. You can see the best way to do that, in my experience, when you're stuck in that situation, because it's it's fine to say, oh yeah, well that's that's great. How does it really work though? Mm -hmm. the, the the way it works is you go broad until you slow the train down. So you go broad by focusing on how many freaking butterflies there are in this world and kinds of people and how many, you know, you go broad by looking at how many stars and the planets and how all of this is all going on and you never have to pay a dime. The sun comes up for you every single day. Right. So that's how you go broad for a couple days. And then after you go broad and you then turn the train around in a good direction, then you can let that build momentum. Uh, because a lot of people say they want the train to turn around, but they don't really want it. They, they need to slow down. Right. And in order to slow down and then turn it around, going broad is, is what's worked for me. Right. So I think this may be a good segue into our next question. Can you tell us um, about the customer phrase, customer service phrase your dad came up with? I'm not happy until you're happy. <laughs> yes. So did my brother mention that or did I mention that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We've done a little research. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, – yeah, that was when I was a kid. I had a lawn mowing business, and I had that on my cards and my 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 business cards. And when I would go out, and it was it's something from my dad. Yeah. And so um, it's funny when I started Data Springs, I used that same quote everywhere. We had it on all of these, you know, the website and the homepage, and and when you contact us for them. And eventually, it was haunting because it's not really a very good phrase. It doesn't set good expectations, right? It's basically just like they have a complete out if they're unhappy for any, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. And no matter what, if, if you ever had an unhappy customer, they would say, well, I want a refund. I'm not happy. You're not happy to I am. So right. I, I want this. And, and so eventually, it was haunting because for years, you would remove it at places, and then you would see like, on an invoice or on a thing or an email, you'd see it and you'd think, oh, God, I can't find it everywhere. It's chasing me down. Yeah, and, and, and my brother my brother came up with a slogan for Data Springs, which is like great ideas always flowing. And he got upset one time with my dad because they were at like Thanksgiving dinner. And my dad said, oh, well, I, I, I came up with the phrase for Chad's company. I came up with the tagline, the slogan. Mm -hmm. My brother was like, no, you did not. <laughs> like, I'm the one who told him this. You, there's no way. And then finally, after like the middle of dinner, my, my dad's like, no, it's a, a, you know, I'm not happy till you're happy. And then my brother's like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> so did you, you found that was ended up being more restrictive than you initially intended it to be, huh? Yeah, yeah. But it's funny. It's a good story. It goes back to the, it's a learning, right? Winning right. or learning. Right. Uh, and, and back when I was a kid, hey, that's not a, 
you're just starting out. That's how you get started. And you, everyone, so many people want to launch a business, and they're so afraid that they're going to get the logo wrong, the slogan wrong, the the domain wrong, that they never end up even getting close. Well, they don't realize you can. I've changed the logo for Data Springs probably eight times. Yeah. Right. You just rebrand it, rebrand it, uh, type thing. So. Yeah, I think too yeah. many people are afraid to get started. I think yeah, exactly. People think of all of these things that they all these hurdles, they create these hurdles they have to overcome in order right. to do anything. And sometimes we found you just gotta jump in and do it. You know, we we tried this is our second iteration of Blab. I think this is our third attempt uh, of queer money. This is our third attempt uh, at trying it. Um sometimes you just, just gotta jump in and if there's a mistake or if it doesn't work, you just figure out a way to fix it. Yeah. Make it better. I think that you know like you were talking about, all these little things are things that people use to build up the wall. And at some point, that wall gets so big that they don't ever think that they can scale it. And, you know, it's I guess it's kind of like Tetris as things are coming down. We need to be able to pull them out because then it will always be a wall that we can get over and take it out. And that's what things like the focus wheel or other things that put you in achievement mode. What, What you're really trying to do is trying to get your desire to match, to get to expectation. Mm-hmm. And that's when the belief, that's the good stuff. But it is quite difficult to, to, at times, to believe, right? How do you truly believe that? And that's when these tools and things are good. Right. I think that one of the other things that a lot of people get stuck on is that they think that success or where they want to be is one particular point. And that's all they can focus on. But the reality is, is there's those concentric circles that come out of where you think you're at. Getting right. to a, a, a tangent on any one of those concentric circles is going to be moving you closer to what, where that successful point is. And maybe you will end up being much happier being True. just a little bit over from where you thought you would need to be to be happy. And so being a little bit flexible on, on where success is taking you. The, the other thing is usually when people have a very hard to find like some goal or something, they actually will actually measure themselves up and they're, look, they're focused more on the not the lack of having it rather than wanting it, right? Because when they say, I want, uh, I want, a, I want a big, huge house, mansion, but, but in the back of their head, it's like, uh, but I don't have it, right? So it's right. two different topics. Every single topic is, is two topics, yeah. Right. So um, there definitely is some... Toy, you know, tools you can play with for this stuff, kind of stuff, though. Absolutely. So you mentioned already um, the Lion in the Cubicle, the book that you wrote, um, the Lion in the Cubicle: How to Let Your Inner Lion Roar Like Never Before, um, which is available on Amazon. Uh, but I think this is a precursor to that question. Um, how did working at Jack Henry, a software developing firm in Missouri, how did that in- inform your life? Um, it was a really good organization, and they were they treated me very well, and I think that I learned how to treat other, my employees. I think that, um, it also helped me. I I got a job in Missouri from, from them and worked quite hard and and told them, Hey, I need to move to San Diego because I need out of Missouri. (laughs) Right. And, and, and because we had such a good relationship and I'm still friends with a lot of, a lot of people back there. Um, it, it worked out great in a way because it also put me out of the box. Most of the people that were working in my department that didn't make that kind of demand, they were still working in my department. But what it did for me was they had just acquired a company in San Diego. The company in San Diego didn't really like being bought out. The company in Missouri didn't really trust. Right? So, the, so it, it put me in a position of a liaison where I got to be on a corporate jets flying back and forth to Missouri yes. at, on, on a projects related to the, the acquisition. So um, working at Jack Henry at the same time, it taught me that I don't want to be work. I want to be on my own freedom mm-hmm. for sure. You know, it's funny how people think that a stable job is what they think it is. That's such a that's such a misconception of, of what stability is. Right. Because once you're laid off, you're out. Right. I mean, I've known so many people, even with Jack Henry, that were that were laid off. You're out. Right. Right. When you own your own company, sales are good. Sales are bad. Sales, or maybe maybe you have a great month, maybe you have a poor month, but you're not completely out. Right. You're always building something. Right. Um, so I think that it also taught me a lot of lessons around those types of things. Employees, do what you say. I mean, I still remember the, a phrase from Jack Henry, which just was like, do the right thing, basically. Right. Um, so did, was that in that moment when you said you wanted to move to San Diego, did that kind of teach you that – 
if you put in the hard work and you create the credibility that whatever company you work for uh, might let you expand your horizons, might let you get out of that cubicle? Well, I think back then, um, I definitely wanted to launch my own business, but I, I still think back then I was going to move anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So, and actually, I was quite passionate. Like, I was working hard, but to be honest, I loved what I was doing. It's, if you're a coder and you come from this platform, there's nothing greater than being able to actually use your skills at a big company and you feel like you're like releasing a new product or a new thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also, towards the end of it, though, it got quite cumbersome where you felt like you were in office space doing TPS reports. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, oh, because, you, because that's not real coding. To a developer, coding is extremely important because it's your skill. It's what you love doing. Yeah. Uh, it's, like an, if, it's like a painter having to fill paperwork out to like, he gets only one painting done a month instead of painting every day, right? right. Interesting. Interesting. So what inspired the lion in the cubicle? Um, my ego, I think. <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think back in that time I had been doing yoga and I had a successful business and um, I had a pet pig and I was putting in a rap video. <laughs> Did you there really? There was a lot of stuff. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on with all of this. So awesome. back in those days – I did want to help other people, and I still do. Uh, and so the whole idea was um, I hosted events called Friends with Benefits, and I hosted uh, different types of empowerment type things, which I'm still close with a lot of those people and guys, and I would speak at events. And and a book, the idea for me back then of having a book, I do think it was my ego, actually, <laughs> because I do think it was sort of like like I did want to help, and I and – I, I'm just telling my story, and I and I love to see people expand, and and I guess I think I kind of wanted the credit in a way of like if I was one of those books, just like I credit a lot of other books from places, right? The Four Hour Work Week, or an Abraham Hicks book, or I think that these all had an influence on my life, and and it's gotten to me where I'm at. So I think that it was a combination of just wanting to really help, and also. I'm like, I can have a book out. This sounds, that sounds amazing. I never thought I'd be able to have a book out. Right. That's cool. So what did your inner lion tell you about life? Uh, what did the book tell me or, or your personal, inner my, lion. my personal, yeah, my book, my, I think my inner lion said, this is an ego dude. like calm it down. Right. Like right. this isn't, this is uh, which is why I laugh about it. I'm quite honest now. I think, uh, I, I would like – it taught me that I was getting good experience too. Um, but it's funny because I was hanging out back then with a lot of groups and they were the motivational people that I should be hanging with. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't finding them. I was finding them. I would call it like old energy in a way. Like they weren't – they were just more about the hard work and about this than they were about um, letting things flow and paying attention to your feelings and your emotions and blah, 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 blah. Right. So, um, rumor has it that your brother had a thriving candy sales business growing up, but his candy kept disappearing. Um, just between us, do you know who might have taken that? Yeah. So, I, I think he just – he needed to watch his inventory. And, uh, to this day, he says he that, – that told him when he was young that he was never going to have a big business. So, he never went for business because um, – because of that. So yeah, I don't know who would have taken it. I mean, there's a lot of kids, there's a lot of kids and man, those fun dips, you know, those dips and those like, um, jaw breakers and the fun dips. I have no idea though. Um, I think he could have found a better safety place. That's awesome. It's kind of funny that uh, that this was uh, mentioned because I did the same thing when I was when I was younger when I was in uh, middle school. I used to go to uh, Sam's Club and I would buy these big jars of uh, yeah, blow the pops. Picks. Okay, yeah, no, the, they were blow pops, and yeah. and, uh, um, and I could get the whole jar of a hundred for uh, I think it was eleven dollars, and I would take them to school and. Every break between class, I had kids buying them for twenty five cents. Nice. I would buy it for buy it for eleven dollars and make twenty. Well, every once in a while, I gave a few away to special people. <laughs> I, I ate a few myself, so yeah. right, there's there's a little bit of uh, inventory loss there. But usually, I I would make anywhere from about ten to twelve dollars off of each one that I would sell until 
the school caught on and knew what was going on and then my business. Uh, right. Regulations came in and shut me down. <laughs> yes. Deregulation. Yeah, somehow Scott was doing that, but somehow his inventory would just disappear and he didn't always know. Um, and then it wasn't until later when one of my good friends, Travis, and I were both like, oh, yeah, we would go through that thing and eat like all day long and then we would put it back. <laughs> it's all about security. You yeah, need to yeah. lock up your inventory. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we did uh, talk to your brother in preparation for this. Um, so that's where some of these questions are coming from. I, I'm starting to assume that. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the questions that he suggested that we ask you is, is it better to, is it better to be the guy who – buys things or the guy who pays for them? Um, that's funny. Yeah, so my ex, it's funny, it's just a matter of conversation, um, but my ex would say things to me like, uh, or he would be talking about a new car, right? He got a new Range Rover, and he'd be talking to his friends, and he would be like, I am the luckiest person, right? Because I, um, I got this new Range Rover and blah, 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 blah. And I would say, um, Excuse me. No, no, no. No, I, I, I bought that. Right. <laughs> right. So you can thank me, not some, you know, and he would say, no, 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 no. You paid for it. I bought it. Like, do not take, do not take away what I did in this, right. in, in this part. Right. If you went to the store, he got some new fixture or a new kitchen table. Um, and, and he would say that he bought it. I would say, no, 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 you did not. And he would say, yeah, yeah I, I, he's like, you paid for this, but I went out and bought this. Do not discredit what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. So I like to use that line. We don't suffer from that at all. And, and, and no, then, we don't then, suffer from that at all. <laughs> yeah, so then he said, so then he would say too, he would say, yeah, um, I'd say, no, no, I got you this car. That's why you're not lucky. It's me working hard to get you this car. Right. And he would say, if I had to work hard to get the car, I wouldn't be lucky. That's why I'm saying I'm lucky. He's so, so quite good with some of those where you're like, you're like, you're the pre preparedness. He's the opportunity, and that's how the car happened. Yeah, huh? yeah. yeah right. Like you, you just think you think hmm, that's a good language twist. There, that's a good one. Interesting. So, um, so what daily habits? What are your daily habits, and how have they contributed to your success? How have they gotten you to where you are today, being able to travel the world for two years? I, and I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to preface this that one of the one of my favorite things uh, of from. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi is he kind of has this phrase that a series of phrases or almost a poem that he goes through that basically says similar to the law of attraction you know what you think about what then what you do these things become your habits your habits become who you are and that's what brings about your success and I oftentimes look at successful people when they when they're living their definition of success and I wonder what kind of habits do make that person what are the things that make you that's who you are that cash someone, cash. right somebody who's listening to this could say oh that's a habit that's an easy thing that I could pick up and do it myself um, I would say I haven't always been as consistent in this but for the most part daily meditation um, and, and I, I, I sometimes consider it meditation might also be listening to Abraham Hicks or something in the bathtub or it puts me in a state of appreciation or something right um, as a daily habit, if I, if I am really in a consistent meditative or meditation on a daily basis, I find it, everything goes much better, right? Mm -hmm. It's cause it's, you realize also it's such an inward outward job. Unfortunately, sometimes it's like, um, life is going so well that you for, that's when I forget. It's like when life is going so well, uh, as a daily habit, I would say I'm very in tune with, my emotions and what's going on in my life experience. And I really am in tune if it's not going right. Like I know to, to clue in right away yeah. and I, and I, it's not blaming someone or blame, or I, I really am pretty good at knowing, okay, I need to be in this uh, appreciation mode. I need to do this. Right. And, and that's probably more of a habit because unlike just saying, okay, I do a daily routine of yoga or I do a daily routine of meditation. I will always, even more every morning, uh, I will wake up and sometimes listen to videos that are Abraham Hicks or something Law of Attraction or Bintinio or one of these other follower teachers that that I'm inspired to. Mm -hmm. And there's always topics uh, that will put you in this good good place, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think at nighttime, 
uh, I always start off in the morning, and I think at nighttime I have a similar process of uh, thinking about the best aspects of the day as I go to bed. Mm -hmm. So how funny was it to run into that guy on this train, right? Or I really loved it when I was like had that wine and, and I started talking to the bartender and just, and just the conversation I got from that or right. whatever it is, I go to bed with that. What are the, what are the, some aspects that I appreciated of the day and I wake up in appreciation mode too. Right. That really makes good. sense. Yeah, so, okay. I was just going to say one of the things that I, I liked how you talked about uh, getting in tune with, uh, with what's going on in your life and making sure you're, uh, cutting up, cutting things off before they can go down that really negative path. And one of the things that John and I like to do on a regular basis is we, and we picked it, we actually picked this up from uh, a podcast, a uh, coach Fletch. Um, we listened to his podcast and, uh, he and his, uh, his partner, she, he, the two of them would, uh, every once in a while would just say to the other time for gratitudes. And then yeah. they would just, say what they're grateful for at that moment or what's what they're grateful for during that day. And John and I try to do that on a regular basis, especially on those days when we're driving, we carpool together to work. Um, and those days where we're feeling a little frantic in the morning or the traffic is bad, or, you know, we, we just read a, an email and it's it, a little bit disappointing or whatever the case may be. And we just try to say, okay, stop. What are we grateful for? Yeah. Let's, let's not focus on what, what's not happening. Let's yeah. focus on what is happening. Yeah. On the flip side of that, is there anything that you try to avoid in your life um, to, to, to not allow the negativity in? Um, as much as possible, I try to avoid getting – I try to I, – I, I, I'm very knowledgeable with – I'm running into somebody who I can tell is in this victim or very bad place, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm pretty careful about, I would say in a good way, being selfish not to allow myself to let that affect me and get myself sucked into it. Right. Um, I find that sometimes I end up um, – yeah, I'm just going <clears> to <throat> get my battery real quick plugged in. Sure. I, I find that sometimes I um, have uh, – when I do let myself get sucked in to a story, let's say, um, let's say a gun shooting, right, or something, when I do find myself getting sucked into politics or the conversations or mainstream media, I just remind myself that I must be doing it for entertainment, like I'm just bored or something, right? right. Because because that's that is one daily habit where if you really can kick it, I think it only serves you. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I've had friends that uh, he had a whole video. Somebody challenged him for a year to, to 30 days or 60 days to not um, uh, to to not watch any mainstream news or go to mainstream news websites. Right. And he's like, it makes the whole difference in the world. Right. Um, I often find because all of these topics do come up as well uh, while I'm traveling. If there's something really big that's really going on, you find out about it anyway, which is okay, right? right. But, but, but there's, I find, especially Americans, I find we continuously jump from story to story, I think because maybe we're bored or something, right? right? Like, we're, we're jumping from Terry Schiavo to <laughs> Balloon Boy to <laughs> Octomom to, like, and we let this stuff. This. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, and there's so many, when Since. I look back. There's, yeah, there's quite a few cents, right? And when you look back, it's like, what a, you're letting all of this stuff take away your power, right? Yeah, right? Your power of your happiness is not based on who's in the White House. Your power of your happiness is not based on so many things, and you're just letting them take away your power. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I still get sucked in, and, and it's not the best, uh, you know, thing, but you just recognize, okay, well, that's, that is what it is, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. We passed Chipotle today, and I said to David, what happened to the Chipotle controversy? You know, people were getting sick off of their food, and it was all that the financial news anyway was covering for like two or three weeks, and then it just died. They moved so on to did they figure out what the problem story. was? Is, yeah, is it, did they have to pay anybody right. off to, to, to 
No, get back and it's like and, and Starbucks Red Cup. What's what's the status, right? Like, they, <laughs> right. right? Like it's that kind of stuff that I think is are Americans just fucking bored? Like, are they just bored? Like, right. What is the deal? Because right. I don't even think that they know where Syria would be on a map if you were to tell them. Like, but but they always have an opinion on it, and they've got to like voice it and right. you know tell it. So, um, but then it moves on just as quickly. Yeah. I oftentimes think that, that that kind of, especially that kind of news, it's really just a distraction from what you know, from what people don't want you to, to realize, to pay attention to. Yeah, they look for the story behind the story. I can't right. remember who said that. I remember hearing that one time, and I was like, "Wow, that makes a lot of sense." And I started looking, and oftentimes you go down the page or dig a couple pages in, and there's the real story that you should be paying attention to, the one that actually has an impact on your life or is impacting your community. or, or you know, It's the one that the major media cannot sell advertising right. off of. Or, right. Well, but when you're, not even, when you're not looking at any of this stuff, you're also just – you're in such a much better place, I think. You're just – you're paying attention to, I don't know the birds, the bees, and the flowers and the trees, right? You're just paying attention to what an amazing world we live in. The things that are important. Right. right. I mean, I, th I think that they're important. Yeah. But, but, but the choice is, this is the other thing I would say about this, is that you always, you lose your power if you don't believe, if you, if you forget that you're controlling the remote, right? Yeah. I, I know so many people, I'm sure I've said it myself, but I know so many people that say, oh, I hate mainstream news. I hate mainstream media. I hate that they don't, I hate that they don't publish this story, but they'll publish this story. And why aren't they? And it's like, dude, you've got 485 channels. Click the next one. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Don't Boom. get stuck on that. Turn it off. Turn it off. Take, take, because otherwise you're blaming them when you're the one with the remote control. Yeah. yeah. Chad, if you don't mind, it sounds like something's rubbing up against your microphone or something like that. We're getting a little bit of. Uh, oh, is this, oh, do you have a headphones in your microphone in your. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Is it okay now? Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. better. <laughs> um, so. Two more questions to wrap this up because we're coming up on an hour now. Um, for all of the other Chad Nashes out there who are where you were 10 years ago, what advice would you give them to help them get to where you've gotten or where they ultimately want to go? Um, be easy on yourself. Uh, let yourself off the hook. Uh, give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Uh, pay attention to your feelings, your emotions, and realize if, if you're in a, in a negative space. Mm -hmm. um, and look towards what's, what's inspiring you, and, and I guess just let, your, let it build momentum. It doesn't have to happen over day or overnight. Just let it build momentum mm -hmm. and, and realize the power of momentum. Right. Cool. So it sounds like you're, what your mom taught you when you were younger – you know, go with the flow. Easy, well, easy yeah, come, easy, easy go. Come, easy come, easy go, right? Easy Probably come, easy go. Yeah. One of your favorite yeah. axioms. I've noticed this in business too, where when it comes to easy come, easy go, if you have customers, I have customers and they say, oh, can I can I get a coupon? Uh, can we have this coupon? I'll say, okay, yeah, we get a coupon. Um, can, can you also help here, right? And then at the end of the, of the whole situation, there's this tug of, like, they're still not happy. Right? It's like the people you try your hardest, that are the hardest work, the most, they're still unhappy at the end of the day. Right, yeah. And they don't realize that they're killing that energy exchange in business more than, than before they even start to engage in it. Right. Um, so uh, I don't know. I'd say have fun with it. Whatever business you're going to do, make sure it's fun. Keep keep the high energy up. Make it, make it uh, uh, I don't know, ease light fun they say everything they say time flies when you're having fun but they don't tell you that everything flies your business can fly your uh your money can fly every everything can be better when you're in this higher vibration right nice. absolutely very good pretty good thank you um and then lastly uh, any recommendations on others in the queer community that we should reach out to to um, help inspire who are some of your your queeros your heroes in the queer community he was well, of course. I mean, my brother, but he's Mr. <laughs> now that he's not Mr. Leather Daddy, I don't know if um, <laughs> Colorado. Um, I don't really. I guess just in the gay world or in the I guess queer world, um, some people that I know that are scuba divers. I'm launching a new scuba diving app, um, so maybe I'm running into a little bit more of that. Um, I would say 
there's a really good mentor. He's, he's one of my uh, realtors uh, back in San Diego. And you can see when he applies law of attraction, I've hosted events at his house. You can see how him apply it with like multi, multi-million dollar homes yeah. and just goes really big. His name's Todd Armstrong. Um, and so it's really happy to, I'm really happy to see that because nice. you can see how it plays out in real life from another example. Um, and he's achieving success for what that is to him right now. And, and I consider him a, a, a good friend, but also a good mentor and, uh, and an awesome queer. <laughs> I really like what you just said there, the success, what success is to him right now. And I, th I think what that, why that's important is because oftentimes we want to compare ourselves to other people. Why aren't I living like Chad or why aren't I living like Todd Armstrong? You know, but we're not all necessarily on the same path. And we all have to – and I think it's very easy for us, especially in America, to assume that other people's dreams are our dreams. I want to have a big house. I want to have the fancy cars. I want to have the right. corporate job. And if we start to focus on what's most important to us – may be completely different than what Chad's working on or what David's working on. If we're focused on what is important to us and succeeding in, in our own, whatever that definition is to us, um, we probably are more likely to succeed. Yeah, and here's, here's, here's the bottom line, too, is that no matter where you're at and whatever you achieve, you're not done. You, right. You'll, right? It's never done, right? right? Because and, – and maybe sometimes that continues to be, to be a building up and maybe sometimes it's a building down. Mm -hmm. Because it's always the contrast. It, what's, what, the only reason you ever want anything is because you believe that you will feel better by the having of that. Right? right. And so when you get there, it's like, oh, you know what? Now I have this. But you know what? I don't like to mow the yard. <laughs> oh, okay. Now I've got a lawnmower guy. Okay. Now that I've had this, I, I think maybe I think I have an apartment. Right? That might be nice. I don't have to do all the maintenance. I've had an apartment for a while. Maybe now I want I want a penthouse, or maybe now I don't. Maybe I want to travel the world. I want to sell everything, right? right? So no matter what, I mean, I'm sure that there will be a day. I don't know when. I'm a little scared. <laughs> there will be a day when I'm done, uh, you know, traveling, and I, I want to have a different, different, you know, I guess contrast experience to, to right. hang in the city. Sometimes I look at other people and say the same thing, though. It's like, oh, you know what? They're building better friendships and relationships because they're not moving all the time. Or maybe they're – there's other things. You could, you could say that about all kinds of people in their life. But sure. it's always what's to them, yeah. Absolutely. Well, very cool. Well, we want to thank you for being our inaugural um, Queeros guest. Yeah. Um, you're, I, we think you're very fascinating and you're living an amazing life. And so we wanted to share, share that with our audience. Um, so thank you very much for joining us. And um, next time you're in Denver, we definitely should get together for a game of Rummy Cube because yeah. it's one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> yes, I love it. Yeah. I know, cool. me too. So, all right, well, thanks, guys. I appreciate that. Absolutely, thank you. Thank you. And um, look out for more Quiros uh, in the near future to our audience. Thank you very much. All right. Okay. We just serviced you, now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle Newsletter at queer.money. Well, I'm not really gay. <laughs> <laughs> it would help me if I had a personal chef made all my coffee meals for me. Right. So instead I'll have a Snickers tonight for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the other end I like the butts, so... <laughs> yeah. uh,